welcome to the Be Proud with Eric podcast, the place for all things queer empowerment. I'm your host, Eric Sullivan, he, him pronouns. I'm a proud gay person, licensed therapist, and DEI consultant. My mission is to empower members of the LGBTQ community and teach people to be better allies. I love connecting with people, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome to the final episode of my series about my solo traveling to Medellin, Colombia. So I've talked about leading up to the trip, getting there the first few days, the excursions that I went on. On the previous episode, I got to chat with my best friend Molly about us going to Cartagena together, which was so much fun. Hope you enjoyed that one. And there's something I haven't yet really talked about, which is I also had a romance while I was in Medellin. And I feel myself even a little bashful now in starting to talk about it. But the reality is this was a big part of my trip and I want to share about it. And I want to have this, you know, as part of it, it was a bit unexpected, but definitely welcomed and enjoyable. So one of the reasons I went on this trip, yes, I wanted adventure. Yes, I wanted to go to a new area and explore. I wanted to try digital nomading. And I was also hoping to meet some guys while I was out there. Date some guys while I was out there. And mission accomplished. (laughs) As I mentioned, kind of throughout the series, I've always had an affinity for Latino men. I think they are very good looking. I also like Latino culture. And so I'm single. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going on this trip by myself. Now's my chance to meet some people. So I did. And wasn't expecting this to happen, but one of the guys that I met out there and I really hit it off and ended up sort of dating throughout the time while I was there. It's kind of interesting because leading up to the trip, I did an international dating site with the idea of sort of like pre-meeting some guys that lived in Medellin, maybe chatting with them, getting a sense of their profile, maybe queuing up some dates for a while I was there. And ironically, I was talking to probably, I don't know, a few guys from that app that I was interested in, but surprisingly, I didn't end up meeting up with any of them or ever meeting any of them. This guy that I ended up spending some time with while I was there, we met on a dating app. And I'm not even going to front, especially for my queer audience. We met on Grindr. I think I turned the app on like a few days into being on the trip, chatted with some guys, starting to hit it off with this one. We both were down to meet up. So we decided to have dinner together, which, you know, I <laughs> I, I definitely have a, a giggle looking back on that first dinner. It was a lot of fun. It was kind of difficult. The language barrier was tricky. 
especially at first. So we had dinner in the hotel that I was staying at. So that was kind of nice. That helped to ease some of the nerves. Like I already knew the spot. I already knew some of the people that worked there. But, you know, you're already nervous on a first date. Add on top that the two of you don't really speak each other's language. And it makes it a little bit harder. So I met him in the lobby. So cute. So cute. I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. I'm I'm excited. And you know, we sat down, we chatted a bit. This part I was able to do in Spanish, you know, just sort of like the beginning, easy conversation. How are you? How was getting here? How's your trip been? Things like that. But not too soon into it. I think he identified because when you're talking on an app, you can just use a translator and copy paste. And like, he probably knew that I wasn't fluent in Spanish based on some of the translations don't always, you know, you can just sort of tell in the same way that sometimes I would, I would be talking to guys and they'd be sending me messages in English. And just the way that it translated, I, you could just tell, oh, that's not how native speakers talk. They're probably using a translator app. So he asked me like, so do you speak Spanish? You know, and I was like a little bit, what, one of my go-tos the whole time on the trip, anytime somebody was like, do you speak Spanish? I loved to say, aprendiendo y disfruto practicando, which means I'm learning and I enjoy practicing, which is true. And I also said like, uso el tra traductor de Google, you know, just kind of held my phone up, just kind of break the ice to be like, we're going to need to use the translator app at some point, probably many points. So, and he was fine. He didn't care. And so meanwhile, while this is happening, like the server is like getting our drink order and getting our food order. And the way that the menu was, was like a QR code and my service wasn't working. So I couldn't get the menu to load you know, had it loaded and I saw the menu in Spanish, I definitely could have pulled off knowing what everything was and knowing what I wanted to order, but it wasn't working. And the server that we had, because again, like at the hotel, a good number of the staff did speak English, certainly conversational English. The server that we had this particular dinner spoke pretty minimal English. So that just added a whole layer of comedy to like the guy I was with could talk to the server. I could barely talk to the two of them. I didn't really know the menu well. So it was just, we were all having a laugh with it, but definitely the, the staff at the restaurant was sort of like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> But we made it work. The server called out some options. I just went with one of them. I'm like, yeah, that one sounds great. So it was a lot of fun. And for anyone who's ever seen 90 Day Fiance, where they don't speak the same language, but communicate a lot using the translator app, it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what's happening right now. What was a little different is on the show, probably because, you know, they want the audio, they usually have the people like either say it in their native language and then the translator voice translates it and verbally says it out loud, like Siri will kind of say it in sort of like a deadpan monotone. 
Luckily, we didn't have to do that because we could just sort of type it out and then show it to each other. But that was also part of the comedy of errors because, again, my service wasn't working. So most of the time, my translator app wasn't working. We would have a laugh about that. Like, I would borrow his phone. We made it work. We made it work. And there's certainly something to be said about the chemistry between two people. If you can like sit and have a meal together and have a good time, and it's very difficult to verbally communicate with each other. So something's there. So, you know, like who knew what was to come from it? I didn't really have high expectations, but we hit it off. We had a great time. We enjoyed each other's company and it didn't end there. It wasn't like, cool, okay, nice to meet you. Take care, safe travels. It just sort of organically was like, and what are you doing tomorrow? And what's the rest of your week look like? You know, so we just kept hanging out and kept hanging out. And it was awesome. One of the things that I wasn't sure about was sort of like, I knew that Medellin was definitely a gay friendly city, but I didn't know how accepting it is for like two guys to like hold hands or be affectionate and stuff like that, which to be fair, that's also always a question in the United States as well. You know, for anyone who's in the gay community, I don't need to explain this, but for anybody who's not, it's never a fully comfortable thing for same gender couples to be affectionate in public, even in the most supportive of areas and the most liberal of cities. It's a tricky thing and it's still a novelty to a lot of people. So it gets noticed and for some, it's not something they want to see and they kind of let that be known either verbally or non-verbally. And I wasn't quite sure. And I kind of remembered that I had looked up sort of like what the climate was like for gay people in Medellin. And I read a lot of different things. So I got a lot of different takes. Many people said it is a very gay friendly city. However, like on the whole, the country is definitely not as progressed as some areas and it's heavily religious focused. So that's a factor there. And just one of the things that stood out to me was I read on a blog or something like, but nowadays some of the younger folks are even like comfortable enough to hold hands walking down the street. And I was like, oh, okay, but that's not like an across the board thing. And that's something that like younger generations are doing and maybe others couldn't or didn't have the comfort to do. So I would say like on the whole, it was pretty comfortable. Like when we would be out and about, I'm not trying to like censor myself. I'm not trying to downplay it. Physical touch is my love language, especially if I'm really into somebody. Like I want to be like, touching them at all times, holding hands, arm around them, like giving them kisses on the cheek, like whatever it is. And I'm not really gonna bargain with that. However, I did want to make sure that was something that he was comfortable with because we did have just a very affectionate vibe if it was just him and I, but I wasn't quite sure in public if that was, you know, gonna be the same way. I did notice and really appreciated on that first dinner date that we had, he actually had a pride bracelet on, which I thought was really cool. Like it was kind of subtle. It was like a thin bracelet of like pride beads, you know? And I was like, oh, I really like your, you know, come city say, you know, how do you say bracelet? And he was like, oh, you know, tell me the word. It's escaping me now. Um, and he was like, my friend 
either my friend gifted it for me or made it for me, but I thought that was really cool. And so like at one point, this was like probably a few days in, I think we were just like out and about. We went out to lunch. We went to this amazing spot, highly recommended in Medellin. It's called Alambique. I had read about it on a few different sort of like must-see restaurant blogs that I had read. And it was really, I was kind of surprised when my car pulled up to it and he was like, oh, that's the restaurant right there and dropped me off. It's kind of, it's not off the beaten path. It was in the downtown Poblado area, but you couldn't, it didn't really have like much of a storefront or a sign. I would have totally missed it if he wasn't like, it's right there, you know, and he was kind of showing me because he was dropping me off a little further away in an easier spot to drop me off and so that I could get to it. But once you go back, you know, you kind of like walk down the hallway and go up some stairs and blah, blah, blah. But it's this really, really beautiful, like open air. It had a feel of like an old like library with like plants everywhere and high ceilings and shelves and just super cool atmosphere. The food was amazing. And it was kind of funny, too, because a friend of a friend was like, oh, by the way, my friend really recommends this restaurant, Alambique. And I was like, oh, you know, shut up. It's definitely on my radar. Like, that's so funny. So it's definitely sort of reputable and kind of known and highly recommended. Anyway, we had had lunch there. It was awesome. And then we were sort of like right near a park. And I was like, let's just go for a walk for a little while and, you know, just kind of window shop and whatever. And so there was a point we were just like sitting on a bench chilling and I, you know, messaged him on the app. And I think I said something like, I only ask because I'm not quite sure the level of acceptance here and I'm not sure your comfort level. Like, is it okay if I have my arm around you? And he kind of read it and very nonchalantly was like, yeah, like that's no problem. So I did, like I sat with my arm around him and we were in an, area with a good amount of foot traffic. And I would say that no one, no one seemed to have a problem with it at all. However, he was kind of just playing on his phone and I wasn't, I was just sort of people watching. So I could notice a lot of people were taking notice of it. No one gave a dirty look. No one scoffed. It wasn't that, but it was more just like, oh, okay, there's two guys and one has his arm around the other and, you know, and we're sitting on a bench where we certainly could have been a distance apart if we were just friends or if we were trying to be more kind of low key about it, but like, you know, sitting right up next to each other, you know, very much together and not minding that. And so like, it wasn't a problem and I wasn't worried about it. I didn't care for sure. And I, you know, I hear this a lot from queer people, especially working as a queer therapist, my clients who are in relationships, it's a pretty common struggle that they're nervous to be affectionate with their partners out in public. And first of all, giving some context to that, like growing up queer and growing up gay and in same gender relationships in this country and in the world, there's sort of like a hypervigilance that comes with it. We're kind of always on guard. Is somebody going to have a problem with this? Is someone going to have something negative to say about this? 
could I experience violence from this? And that doesn't just come from nowhere. That comes from like, we live in a system of queer oppression and things like that do happen all the time. On top of, we're told in covert ways so many times throughout our life, hide who you are. Don't talk about who you are. Don't show who you are. Don't be proud of who you are. Don't be affectionate. So, you know, we sort of get worried and in our head, it's like, oh God, that person just looked at me as I've got my arm around this person that I'm with. And I bet, and we start filling in the blanks. I bet they have a problem with it. I bet they don't like it. I bet they would wish we would stop. When it's not to say that that doesn't ever happen, but when we don't know, try your best not to fill the blanks in. And instead, if you're going to fill them in, do it with positive messages. So I did. Like when I kind of caught people lingering and looking at it, us a little too long, I was like, they're here for us. They think we're a cute couple. They think it's amazing that I have my arm around him. And it's like, who will ever know what the truth is? But if you allow yourself to believe that, that felt a lot better to me. That felt a lot more relaxed to me. So just a little side note tip there on kind of the power of challenging our anxiety when it comes up. Our brain is playing tricks on us. Replace it with positive messages. And the other time where this uh, kind of became apparent was, you know, so we hung out throughout the week. We had a great time you know, really liked him. And I left early, early, early on a Friday. It was the day after Thanksgiving. The person who picked me up, picked me up at my hotel at 4.30 a.m. So it's going to be an early day. We were hanging out Thursday night, my last night there. The last couple hours are starting to get more and more of a bummer that we're going to like say goodbye and who knows what's to come. But so we were down in the hotel lobby, like waiting on his Uber. And at that point, like, I didn't care anyway, but I was just all over him. You know what I mean? Just hugging and kissing and affectionate and being like, oh, I'm so sad. But, you know, just in a playful way. And he was too. And the, like, the hotel staff there, like the security at the front desk, that was just sort of the same kind of vibe that I got is they were like, it was like, Oh, okay. Like that's what's happening. And these two guys don't care at all. And they're fully embracing each other. And I'm sure they could just tell by whatever they could overhear or the body language that it was like about to be goodbye. And it was like a mix of happy and sad and all of those things. So we had our goodbye and we also, I think one of the last days of the trip, we were like, okay, let's be realistic here. Like we live in different countries. We speak different languages. This has been amazing, but it's probably going to stay here. Who knows? I sort of left with this notion of I... I'm super appreciative that we got to meet and have that experience. It was so much fun. I wasn't expecting it. And I feel like I'm going to see this guy again. I don't know when. I don't know exactly to what capacity. I don't know what each of our relationship statuses will be at that point. But I just kind of know we're going to see each other again. And that's fun. That's a cool feeling to have. 
I can certainly see myself returning to Columbia at some point. Who knows if he's ever to live in the States at some point. Remains to be seen. But either way, it was fun to not let that be a barrier and not kind of go in and be like, oh, well, there's no chance that anything could ever last past here. So I'm not even going to bother trying to like meet someone or like, yes, there's some kind of connection, but I'm just not even going to hang out with him again. No, we were kind of on the same page. Like for this time, let's just enjoy it. So I have a lot of gratitude for that happening. I have so much gratitude for the trip, for the country of Colombia, for the people there. I also have gratitude for the bumps along the road you know, on the whole, it was an amazing trip. Sure, there was some things that happened that weren't ideal. And during those times, and now I go back to how my therapist reminded me a couple of weeks leading up to going when I was like nervous. And I was like, there's a part of me that's not even sure if I want to go. And she was like, look, when you first told me this idea a long time ago, you said you wanted new experiences. And that doesn't only mean good ones. That means whatever they are. And so I totally got that. So many experiences on the whole, they were the vast majority were amazing. Like part of me wants to say this was a once in a lifetime trip. And it was in a lot of respects, but I don't really like that expression because I'm like, I can do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do other things like this. This isn't the end. But it was once in a lifetime in a sense where it was like, had I not gone when I did, had I not sort of seized this opportunity, had I not gone by myself, it never would have been like what it was. So I am super proud of myself for going for it. We're all works in progress, so I'm not saying, like, I don't fear things. I definitely do, but I strive not to live in that fear, and I strive not to be held back by that fear. And one of the ways I ongoingly work against that is by doing things that scare me and going for it. I acknowledge the fear I acknowledge what it is I'm afraid of. I break it down. I challenge it. I replace it with hopeful outcomes. And I bring it along with me. Trust me, I was nervous. I was definitely nervous. When I was getting on the plane, I was like, what am I doing? And I just am like, oh, hey, fear, what's up? It's cool. You're trying to help me, but you're not. But you can still come along too. It's okay. So... I certainly see myself going back to Colombia. I fell in love with this country. There's a lot of parts of it that I didn't get to see. And there's many parts of it that I got to hear a lot about from people that were like from there or had visited there. So I, I want to go back. I want to see more. I want to experience more. I want to return to Medellin, this city that just holds such a place in my heart. And... I can also see myself going on other solo adventures, continuing to digital nomad, going to new places. I really liked this hybrid of going for whatever the period of time is, and you work for part of it, and then you vacation for the rest of it. 
or you like work during parts of it, but you certainly go on adventures during that time and you take some days off when you can. For anyone out there who is listening, who is interested in solo traveling, go for it. It doesn't matter if you've never done it or if you've done it before. It's always going to be challenging, but you can totally do it. Yes, it is scary AF, but anything that's worth doing is scary. And I promise you, you will grow from it. You will boost your self-confidence and you will deepen that relationship with yourself. And maybe solo travel isn't what you're craving, but there's something else that you've been wanting to do and fear has been holding you back. Once again, go for it. Quiet all the worries of the negative what ifs. Envision the good things that could happen. Let yourself go with those and also just take a chance and see what happens because you'll never know unless you go for it and see. So, thank you so much for being a part of my adventure and for letting me tell you about these things that I experienced. They were so incredible. And getting to share about this with all of you just amplifies the positive gains from what I experienced. So I so appreciate you listening. And it's super cool that I'll have this series as like a living journal of my memories from this trip. I am totally going to listen to it when I'm older and retired and be like, yes, I am a badass boss. I will keep you posted on what's to come next. Until then, stay proud. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. For show notes, links, and free resources, head over to BeProudWithEric.com slash podcast. If you're feeling inspired by today's app, help your boy out by sharing the info with your boss, subscribing to the show, and leaving a review. And remember, always be proud of who you are.